0: Love Talk Radio.
1: wanted to touch on since last time we were on the air, we were waiting on the federal government to take a look at the situation in Ferguson and see what they were going to do. Were they going to charge Darren Wilson? Was he going to pay for Mike Brown's murder? And what we're finding out is no, that is not going to happen. Another murder of a African-American male, unarmed, and guess what? The killer walks away. All of these things, all within the so-called realm of the law. Well, black folks, white folks, pink folks, brown folks, orange folks, green folks, yellow folks, whatever you call yourself these days. The law is all about interpretation. It's who interpreting the law that is allowing these guys to pass. See, it takes a jury to decide whether they want to indict you. That is their interpretation of the evidence that is presented to them. It takes a prosecutor to decide to pursue charges. It depends on the prosecutor, not one size fits all. It's all about interpretation but golly gee is it just me or does it seem if you got the complexion for the protection as paul mooney uh says on some of his stand-ups you seem to get off on these murders and I- i'm saying that on the backdrop of selma being released i just went and saw it again uh, for my third time watching it, man, powerful movie. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you go check it out. Support the film. I saw it today with some middle schoolers at my job. And it was a part in there where I just kept thinking about Mike Brown and Eric Gardner. And it was that part where the uh, Dr. King was talking to uh, President Johnson And he was telling Lyndon Johnson about the four girls who were murdered in the church. He named some other killings, and he pointed out how nobody white has gotten uh, punished for those crimes. And I'm looking at today, and I'm talking to the students today, and I ask, so what has changed? And that's something that we have to discuss with our children, our communities. We have to ask what has changed. Have, have things changed as much as people been telling you now now here's something that I want you to think about. Before you answer that, say yes or no. I want you to keep in mind that America is pretty much set up on a caste system. There's there's plenty of studies out that that, that shows that Hey, if you're born rich, more than likely you're going to stay rich. If you're born poor, more than likely you'll stay poor. Now, hey, you you might have a wicked jump shot, and that wicked jump shot might be able to get you some cash. You might have a mean left hook. Hey, that left hook is going to get you paid one day, hopefully, if not in prison. You might, you know, hey, can cut, got great vision, you could be a running back in the NBA, I mean the NFL. It's going to get you a five-year contract you're going to make uh, seven figures easy, but then again, those slots are only for select few. Everybody isn't lucky enough to get in those positions. Even some of those guys who get the money, they still die broke. My point in bringing all this up is: if things got so much better, how come systematically we're still in the same position? With a black president. A black attorney general, ask yourself those questions. It is time for us, and I'm talking about African Americans, first. We need to be critical, not only of ourselves, but we need to be critical of this system and those who look like us that are in positions. There is no Adam Clayton Powell sitting in on Congress. There is, Barack Obama is not Adam Clayton Powell. I'm just going to keep it 100 with you. He doesn't relate. And I know people don't like me saying that, but, hey, look, the brother grew up in Hawaii. How many black African-Americans do you believe was living on a, living on Hawaii that he could relate to? He was raised by his white grandparents. That's not a knock on Barack Obama, man. That's just the facts. You can't expect a man to make effective change in things that he ne- ne- didn't necessarily have to go through. The burden is not on President Obama. That's still on us. That that rap, that's laid at our feet. We have to be the ones to make the effective change that we need. Our children need it. Our families need it. And I'm going to be 100 with you. I'm not using that term communities anymore until we get our communities built. We don't have communities. We don't have communities. That That is a... Uh, that is an error on our part to keep using that term. We don't have communities. We don't own the corner stores anymore. We don't own the cleaners anymore. We don't even own the laundromats anymore. Those, those things are owned by other people. Oh, you say you got a washer in your house? Well, even if you got a washer and dryer in your house, hey, look, the little Asian lady does my feet too. I'm just want. I just want to keep that real with you. There's things that we have to look at as African Americans that we have to do for ourselves. It's not to knock any other groups. It's to just put the focus back on us. We have to get serious. We have to get serious in this day and age. You can't knock anybody else if you don't want to contribute to the work and do the things that it's going to take for us to be successful. So one thing I want to talk about. The other thing I want to talk about is if you've seen the movie Selma, And you know that we just passed Martin Luther King holiday last week. How in the hell did you go see American Sniper? I'm trying to figure this out. This thing that we have going on here, uh, this is by polarization of how we feel about Dr. King. Do we love him or don't we? I mean, because if we love him, I don't see why on his birthday, the weekend of his birthday. Oh, come on, man. You went and saw a Sniper movie? Dr. King was killed by a sniper. Hollywood could have put that movie out at any other time. They could have put it out two weeks after the King holiday. They could have put it out one week after the King holiday. Why did they chose to put it out when they did? The fact is, they put that out because they. it's always that reminder. See, you, you want to feel pro-black, pro your people, but then they always remind you about how warm and fuzzy you feel with fitting in. And it's a game that they play with us mentally. And, look, we all fall victims to it. I remember once I saw uh, Khalid Muhammad. He was speaking here, and uh, he was talking about how he was even getting caught up. Walking down the aisles during Christmas time Singing the Christmas carols And that's what White supremacy does man It just It's not just about systematic oppression I want to tell If you're white and you're listening to this show Listen black people don't hate white people I wouldn't even tell black folks I don't hate white people Subconsciously we love white people Subconsciously we love everybody To keep it real That's who we are the people Black people love everybody you know Dr. King says, the rising tide lifts all boats? He's saying that because he knows. If we get what we need to go as a people, we're not going to keep that information to ourselves. Look at our culture now. We can't wait to give it to a Iggy Azalea, the southern rapping Australia. We can't wait. We can't wait to have Malcolm Moore, you know, do what we do. It's like a sister with a big butt. You ever see how some brothers get they get geeked to see a white boy liking a sister with a big butt, or man with a sister with a big butt. That, that, I, I'm, I'm telling you, that's just fact. Some sisters get excited when white women love brothers. I don't know why. It be single sisters most of the time. Don't make sense to me, but they seem to, be, you know. I can't find a good black man. What's the reason why? But my point is, we are not angry. I ain't gonna say we're angry. We don't hate anybody. We don't, but at the same time, we need to get focused about what we're serious about. Okay, American Sniper's out in the film, in in the theater, that's great. Go see that after you go and pay your homage to Dr. King. You don't have to watch the movie Selma to pay homage, but pay homage to Dr. King. Don't see it on his birthday. Don't release that on his birthday, Hollywood. Those are the things that we should be upset about. Not the fact that Selma didn't win an Oscar. Saw the movie three times. Liked the movie. But I didn't want nobody to necessarily win an Oscar or to win an Oscar. Either which way, it's all subjective, A. B, black actors and actresses who win the Oscar hardly ever get other roles. Right? When was the last time you saw Monique in a motion picture? After Precious. Look at the roles Jamie Foxx had to take after Ray. Cuba Gooden Jr., he just made it back to the screen on Selma, and he didn't have a large part. you telling me Cuba couldn't have been Andy Young? So there's things that happen when we win these awards. I mean, Halle Berry, look what she had to do to get hers, right? And let's be real, a little bit of her shine was taken off, a little bit of Denzel Shine was taken off as well. And I love Denzel as an actor. I like Jamie Foxx as an actor. I love um, Monique and what she does. I, You know, I've seen her, at, at, in my opinion. She's been the funniest comic outside of Corey Holcomb that me and my wife have ever went to go see. But look at what happens after you win the Oscar. There is no second chance for us. There is none, and we got to be frank about that. And we got to be, uh, it, we, we got to be, uh, you know, be serious about that. Now, Adrian Mack will be coming on at six thirty. He's running a little bit late, but we're gonna we're gonna drop it heavy because he definitely has something. But I, I, he has something that he wants to discuss. But I got these topics. If you have an opinion on what I'm talking about, call in three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred is Rand Radio. We're back to Tuesday. I, I saw sister uh Livy Pounds, Nikima Livy Pounds, respected sister, uh much respect. I saw she was doing something on Monday. She did a little talk show. She kinda actually beat me to the punch. Uh she took her thing and ran with it. A much love to that sister. I ain't mad at her. Uh you know, it still ran on minds. But I don't like competing with other black local people. Reason being is I feel like we compete enough with each other. Uh, So uh, I will bow out gracefully in things like that because I'm just not a petty brother. I support everyone, whether they support me or not. I just want to keep that in mind because there's a lot of uh, what I call pseudo support. They tell you they love me uh, or they like you, and then they say crazy stuff like, oh, hey, brother, you know, you always seem like you're angry. It's like, why would I be angry? I, I I got a lovely wife, three beautiful children. I know my kids are mine, right? <laughs> you know, I know that I'm eating well. I know my I'm, I'm in better health than what I've been in years. I know that I'm doing work that I love to do. Why would I be angry? I'm not angry. I just don't smile all the time. I apologize. I don't have a bone in me that's trying to make white folks feel easy. I don't feel like I smile when I want to smile. And if you're not a person that smiles when you want to smile, then you won't relate to what I'm saying. So it's a lot of people here to say that they love you. They really don't. And I just wanted to point that out. Another thing that I wanted to talk about since I've been gone, it seemed like it's a while since I've been gone. What's up with this disrespect of this Congress to Barack Obama? And when is President Obama going to really do what I think he should do? He needs to charge one of those chumps with treason. If Benjamin Netanyahu come and talk to this Congress without without consulting and conversing with the White House about that and actually talking against President Obama at the Congress, in my opinion, is cause for treason. These Republicans are treasonous. Now, I tell you, I don't believe in either party. I think the Democrats are chumps. I'm serious, and if you if you ask me what I think we should do for 2016, I think we should sit on our hands and let them figure it out. They ain't been fighting for us anyway. Put Show me a bill that they put up that was actually for us, and don't give me that dumbass. They're adding on two free years of college. Don't you know that's the underlay for the overplay? Those two free years of college, it's going to hurt us more than help us. I want to be the first to tell you that. That is not going to help us. These institutions are not putting out people that are creating jobs. They're actually putting out more people who are in debt. Keep that in mind, in debt, B-E-B-T, debt. So if you're in debt, right, how can you be productive in this society? You're in debt. You're working to pay these folks back. There's a lack of jobs already. We need job creators. So if you go for these extra two years, what about the people that's working two nine-to-fives, got a family, maybe only got a high school degree, GED? What, What about them? When do they get a chance to go back to school for this free education? And Mr. President and whomever else, can you guarantee that these corporations aren't going to raise the bar where they start asking for bachelors versus associates? Because if they ask for associates and you got to go and get two more years, which one you think is more expensive to get, your associate's degree or your bachelor's degree? See, when you figure that out, then you realize, man, it's just another trap, another ploy, and these are the things that we have to be vigilant about. We have to start doing for self. Like I said, it's a lot that's been going on uh, since the last time I got on the air, and I really wanted to point that out. Uh, I know something else I wanted to talk about. Let me go to a break. I'll be right back. You know what? I know exactly what it is. I'll be right back. Give me one minute. What I wanted to talk about But I wanted to Cue it up for you guys If you haven't no, Or you haven't saw it I've been You know Checking out this show On Fox It is called Empire Brand new show Interesting show I've been watching it Um Very crit- With a critical eye Because I'm always interested with these new TV shows to see how they're portraying us as a people and seeing if we're living down to the stereotypes. So we got about nine more minutes before Brother Adrian call in. So let me let me ask you guys this question. Do you find it funny out there, rent, uh family, that we got this television show called Empire. It comes on, educated brother on the show, he's a middle child, he's married to a white woman, the white woman is actually uh, co-horsing or supporting him in the attempt to take over his uh, father's record label, Empire Records. Um, she is actually, <laughs> in my opinion, I think she's being marketed well to uh, black men in this country. That hey, you need to get you a white woman. I mean, hell, she she gives head with a bib on. not only does she give head with a billboard, She doesn't even care if the husband is cheating on him or cheating on her, uh, with a, uh, another, a uh, woman, as long as she gets the same service. That's what I'm noticing with the show. That's, that's one thing that I picked up. The other thing I picked up was the oldest son who is the most talented son is gay. Now the reason why I know this is Lee Daniels. If you don't know who Lee Daniels is, he's the brother who, uh, uh, directed uh, the movie, um, the Butler, which I thought was a bunch of garbage, but he, he directed The Butler. He's had some negative things to say about black women on welfare. Da 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 da. da. The brother's gay, and in this show, he shows a strained relationship between uh, what's their brother named Terrence Howard and his oldest son. Show one time where Terrence Howard was willing to put the young man in a dumpster. It's the portrayal of the black father, who is this power-hungry cat who hates his gay son just because he's gay. He does extreme things to his gay son just because he's gay. He doesn't try to understand it. Then you have the role of uh, Taraji uh, P. Henson, one of my favorite actresses, and pleasure to the eyes of all time. So on the show is a mother fresh out of prison. She doesn't care about the well-being of her youngest son, uh, wannabe, inspiring thug, gangster rapper, which is also a stereotype. Uh, she doesn't care about her middle son, who is uh, trying to manipulate not only her but the rest of the family, uh, or even really cares about the gay son. She just wants empire back after being gone away for prison. For such a long time uh, She doesn't get out with any of the Maternal instincts that You know and I know that black women have Instead of her trying To get her family back together And get to know the children That she left behind while she was incarcerated They have her on this show Acting the fool And what trips me out About this show Is the portrayals And how we're coming across In the eyes of Lee Daniels so I wanted to read this about Lee Daniels for you. This is this is what I find funny. He uh, has an interview on Madame Noir, and he's talking about his uh, gay boyfriend, and he talks about how their sex life and how um, the relationship, how he's uh, so product, he's so protective of the young man. Because Lee's 55 and this kid is 33 and they've been together for five years and blah, 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 blah. But my point is, if you got a show and you're gay, listen, I'm not knocking Lee Daniels because he's gay. That's not my cup of tea. I'm not uh, gay. I'm not against anybody gay. But what I am against is anybody that's bashing my people. Don't bash my people to make no point. Don't put on no spook show on Fox making us look foolish and making us look less than so that you can prove your point to white America that you think black people are homophobic. Here's what Lee Daniels and others often forget. You go into a plethora of churches in the black community. It is plenty of gay folks who are in the choirs and, uh, Clergy members of the church And People have known for years The the whole thing is hey, just Keep what you're doing to yourself And we'll keep our opinions To ourselves The old saying that we live by You don't have nothing nice to say Don't say anything at all That's what black people practice That is our practice That is something that we believe in So for Lee Daniels to come up with this show Have all these stereotypes About us Uh, Portraying this white woman as a ride or die uh, The two black women that are adults in the show All the black women in the show They either seem like they're money hungry They're stupid Or they're just whores And the three sons in the show Is, I mean, like I said before You got one, the youngest is is a thug, rapper Who doesn't think before he speaks You have the middle child who is gay no, no. The oldest child is gay, and the middle son is a well-educated brother who uh, is in love with a white woman. And oh, yeah. And by the way, he's bipolar. So it's it's an interesting dynamic. It's an interesting show. I'm not telling you not to watch the show. I think I honestly believe that we need to watch shows like these. I believe that watching shows like these allows us to see exactly how people like Lee Daniels and others see us as African-Americans. Because somebody is black, it does not mean uh, that they are actually supporting us. And that's something that we have to be reminded. I told you guys when he came out with that movie Butler that the movie was a slap in the face. They made up this crackpot uh, character where he was the black panther, and Oprah slaps him in the face as one of the uh, sons of the original – character uh in real life that 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 guy never existed they added that in there when she slaps the uh, black panther because he's talking about the butler and then oprah says oh and don't you forget that he sacrificed so much for you man listen anybody that's going to the white house serving these people tea they ain't sacrificing nothing for you and i don't want you believing that i don't want you teaching that to your children that is some bs We have to realize some of us do what we do because we're just trying to get paid and keep a roof over our head. Ain't nobody stripping down at Augie's because they're trying to save the ghetto. If you believe that, I got some beef from property in Brooklyn Center here that I want to sell you. That's just not happening. And these claims that we constantly get in our community from people who are saying that they're trying to do things for us, when clearly the intent is to look out for themselves. And if you want to look out for yourself, there's nothing wrong with you looking out for yourself, uh, uh, trying the best to improve your life. Nothing wrong with that. But just don't put it out there like you're trying to look out for us or these characters are looking out for us. More than likely what's going on is these characters are looking out for self. And when Brother Adrian Mack comes on in a few minutes here, this is what we want to talk about because it was a – uh, interview with David Banner That I believe Was off the chain I really um, Liked the story uh, And the interview with David Banner But Adrian and I was talking And, and we were talking about the integration piece And we are talking about how You know we. Adrian told me this a long time ago And Professor al I just saw him today, uh, he he brought something up, too, about the romanticizing of the past and how so many people romanticize the past. You know, segregation was not a beautiful time for our people, and we have to be reminded of that. Uh, Could could some say we did better during segregation? Yeah, some could say that. But at the same time, let's be fair, let's be frank. Uh, It was still a horrible time in this country, Right. It was still horrible. I mean, we don't just want to go back to segregation. Well, whatever it is that we do, we want to be elevated to whatever, wherever we are, whether it's integration, uh, segregation, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, we know that our people need to have better and do better. So that's not the catch. But but Adrian was pointing out some uh, some some serious serious things in his blog piece. And you can go to Adrian I J L M A C K dot com and look up it says banners integration with uh worse than slavery. You know, um, if you really uh if you really want to Read the blog. Here's a piece from it. David Banner has said integration was worse than slavery. If you look at the stats, black people didn't start treating each other the way we do until integration. Adrian says he don't know what stats he's referring to, but this couldn't be further from the truth. He said, "I don't need to purport the harsh, violent reality of slavery." The data scripted in numerous scholarly research and narratives convey this reality. Authors such as John G. Jackson, John Henry Clark, Lerone Bennett, Earl Conrad, and even the controversial John W. Blassingame will help any person piece into the inhumane uh, brutality of the slave industry and the horrible atrocities inflicted upon blacks. However, he said, I do agree with, the Banner, with Banner, with his unspoken idea. Reflectively, integration can be scrutinized by its long-term effect upon the thriving vitality of the black community. There's evidence that demonstrated a stronger educational formula and economic foundation in several black areas in the South before Brown versus Board." However, to suggest that black folks treated each other better before integration is unfounded and ridiculous. Black southern residents and workers migrating north to escape violently southern white supremacy came north to confront a different type of racism and segregation. Unfortunately, they also ran into a percentage of northern blacks who, through their own internalized white supremacy, shunned southern blacks because of cultural differences. Even in the South, black folks with a genetic link to wealthy whites by way of slavery or land ownership tended to draw class differences that manifested in color complexity and education criticism. Before integration, class division tended to cast a contempt toward poor blacks from wealthier families because of the lack of civil etiquette of the race. Now listen, I told you all brother was coming on to drop it. And that's heavy all to itself. I want you, if you have an opinion on this, I want you to stay tuned because he's coming to us live and direct. I want you to call in one Press 1. Do you believe that we were better off in segregation before integration And do you also believe that we treated each other better? If so, why? I myself, I like to believe that there were some great points in both. I mean, listen, you can look at the reports and see that this integration thing wasn't a perfect fit. Following up on the Dr. King thing, Remember, it was Dr. King who said in 1967, he thought that I have a dream speech became a nightmare, and he also believed that his speech was used to integrate counters and to make whites money, and it did nothing for the well-being of black men and women in this country. Those are Dr. King's words, not my own. So, there is some truth there, because with integration, we went, and we didn't have a plan also we didn't we didn't make sure that we retained the crucial parts and necessities of us. We didn't talk about, hey man, how are we going to maintain these businesses that we've created Joe diners, house cleaners. Johnson Liquor Store, Jackson Juke Joy. How do we keep those things open? Just think about it. How before the unions, how we were on the work sites, master masons and carpenters, we were barbers, we were butchers, Imagine all the stuff that we were doing before integration. Not even before integration, before a heavy influx of European immigrants. You know, when you have uh, your white friends who tell you that their grandparents didn't own slaves, they were immigrants, you should ask them when. And so when did they come over? Did they have a union job? Did they take some union jobs from brothers and sisters who were already doing those jobs? Did they chase them off their job? Did they help redline the communities? So if you were a poor Mississippian moving up to Chicago during the Great Migration, that they made sure that you could never purchase a home for yourself. These are the things that I would personally ask. Ask them those questions. These are some serious questions to ask anyone who denies white supremacy, racism, or just simple prejudice. Those things are the things that kept us out. So when we talk about is integration better than segregation? In my opinion, I think we need a hybrid. It's hard in a global economy to say what you're going to do by yourself. Everyone's linked up, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, the NASDAQ, what have you. Oh, that's global. Everything is global. Everybody's interacting with each other. The only people who fell behind in that interaction is African Americans. And I'll say this again. I want to make sure I say this as clear as I can. Because I feel like when I say this, most times it is misinterpreted. I'm gonna say it one more time. Our biggest thing is we have the largest amount of immigrants from the diaspora, African continent, and you know throughout the diaspora. Never before, we're Africans are moving all uh, throughout the world but we're not putting together a plan. We need a game plan. We need a game changer. Can we change poverty for ourselves? First, can we use the power of our influence to merge with the access to natural resources with our brothers and sisters who live on the continent? That is how we change the game. They need our help. We need their help. It is a partnership that we need. But we got a clean house. We got to get stuff tight. We can't be having anybody middleman this relationship, middleman how we feel and what we think about each other. And let me say this. Sleeping with a brother or sister from the continent don't mean that you're doing anything to mend the relationship. Learn the culture. Teach them your culture. If you don't know, learn your culture. That's the one thing that I, I find amazing about us as African Americans. We're so willing. Whether it's you know the brothers and sisters from the uh, from the continent, and when I mean from the continent, of course I know everybody's from the continent. I'm not saying I'm not African. I don't want no fool out there trying to make my words. But the brothers and sisters who are Nigerian, Liberian, Kenyan, Ghanaian, instead of just trying to to get in the, in a sack with them, learn from them and teach them something. Teach them something. Come to the to the even if it's the dating table. Come with knowing something about yourself, a little bit of knowledge of self about you. These are the things that we have to get back to. I remember being a teenager in the 90s and everybody, knowledge itself, everybody wanted to have knowledge itself. What happened to that? What happened to that? You talked to some people who grew up during that time and asked them, "What well, knowledge itself? You got some? What do you know?" It should be a requirement if you black and you work in school with black children. If you can't teach a child about themselves, and I'm not talking about no commercial conversation. Don't give them no watered down stuff you'd heard from somebody who don't have yours or those children's best interest in mind. I'm talking about can you without talking about because it is the commercial people that they, that, that we are uh, programmed to talk about around white folks that they feel safe. Is Martin King. Is Frederick Douglass. Is Harriet Tubman. Um, we could talk about who else? Man, it's, it's only a handful. We talk about uh, W.E. Du Bois. You know, it's only a handful that they feel really comfortable with us having a conversation around them about. And we're cool with that. We are. We are literally cool with that. Uh, you know, today at the job, we had a discussion and talking to the kids, and we're talking about revolts, and you know, the, the, they were talking about the more effective ones. And someone said, "Well, the Underground Railroad was the most effective ones." You know, and we're talking transatlantic slave trade, and I'm like, "Well, don't don't we? Did we have the Haitian rebellion?" I mean, let's face it, the Haitians got busy. Out of all Africans that were transported through the Atlantic, the Haitians, they revolted and they closed the deal. They whooped on Napoleon Bonaparte. They whooped on him. Look it up. They kicked his ass. And while I love Harriet Tubman, I love the Underground Railroad, I love those stories, Let's be real. Nobody wants us to learn those stories because if we start sitting there saying, well, hey, look, (laughs) some folks fought back. That defeats the whole story of, well, if you fight, we're going to lose. Not always. Every time you fight, you don't always lose. Now, I do agree that there's different tactics in the fight. I do agree sometimes you do need to use nonviolence. You don't have to use violence for every situation. Just in my humble opinion, violence should be reserved for the right time and the right place in the right space. Now, if you're in a position where you got to protect yourself, I'm going to tell you, man, get violent. If somebody is 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 causing or trying to cause you bodily harm, you got to you got to protect your neck at all times. But you don't want to be foolish. But we have to start teaching our children knowledge itself. We have to start teaching them about those characters that nobody wants to talk about. Uh we talk about Nat Turner, but the reason why we talk about we're able to talk about Nat, you know the end, Nat gets hanged. So people are, are comfortable with that story. Well at the end Nat Turner got hung. Well it's the easy story to tell. He died. The end. <laughs> Just imagine that. Well what happened, boys and girls? Well in the end he was hung. The end yeah, you tell that story. How about telling the story, telling the story and placing the story around those who fought and survived? And I'm not going to go into my whole deacons for the sense bill. My point is, it, it, it's characters in history that I don't even know, that I'm still learning about. And, you know, uh, and that's good. You know, that, that to me, in my opinion, I don't feel embarrassed when there's things I don't know about my history. What that makes me want to do is that makes me want to learn. I don't, I don't get embarrassed. It's not a pride thing. It's about me being educated about my people and loving my people and being effective enough for my people the best way I can. We're still waiting on brother Adrian Mack. You know he's running late. He had a little open house that he had to tend to. Um, hopefully we can get him on before the show's up. But once again, if you have something that you want to uh, rant about, give us a call three four seven two six ninety six hundred. Now, what else I wanted to talk about today, while I'm here, is my freestyle session. Uh, something else that I saw today. Oh, did, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, the Air Force released over thirty eight thousand pages of, um, reports of UFOs. Now, don't think I'm going to the dark side on this. I ain't going to the quack side. This is important. Uh, this is very, very important. So we got the situation with this, uh, u f o that they had, their sightings and thirty eight thousand pages and then the next thing you know they released that they finally got a radio signal from space a alien radio signal now they, they they're trying to tell you that oh it it's just it, it could be nothing possibly it could possibly just be a um, it could possibly be uh just something natural. I want to tell you, Rannis, in the next couple of years, these people will introduce to you aliens. I'm telling you, they they got you primed for everything else. They got you primed for everything else. Uh, they got you ready. They seasoned you up. they they seen that you're willing to accept anything they throw your way. They can throw any quack signs at you and you'll be okay with it to have you sleeping with aliens in 20 years. I mean, it's just real. It's just that real. I mean, hell, they got black women getting ass implants. Never thought I'd see the day of that. So, you know, the, the, this is this is real. This is real life. This is where this country is going. Uh, we have to be vigilant. We have to be mindful. And we definitely have to uh, keep our sanity during these times. Because as somebody once said uh to me at uh when I was in college back in ninety seven, man you find some aliens and then we already saying we are uh, third rate citizens, that'll push us down to fourth rate. And that's true. So we don't need uh just aliens or anything else uh coming to take our shine away from us. Man, I am so happy to be back. I know Brother Agent is is, is running late. I'm going to take another break. I got uh, some more things that I want to talk to you about, ask your questions on. And I promise you, I won't play that all gold, everything. It's one more break. This is the last break, and we're going to hop into it. we got a caller. Let's get the call online. Is this Brother O?
0: You know it is, family. Can you hear me?
1: Oh, yes, I can. I can hear you loud and clear. What's good?
2: I'm not much man sitting back and enjoying the show. Um, You you talked about a myriad of uh, different topics. Uh, You know, I probably got a opinion on each and every single one of them. I have been enjoying the show. I was really waiting on Brother Adrian. I didn't want to really step in until he got a chance to To say his piece, uh, say his piece, and speak. Uh, But you did open it up to how you feel about certain things. I wonder. Just put my little two cents in.
1: Oh, definitely, brother. Hey, man, go ahead and get down and do that. Well, you
2: you touched on so many uh, amazing topics. Uh, I think one of the bigger questions that you asked was about the, the myth and or truth, depending on how you look at it, of how the black community. Uh, was or was not better um, before uh, integration. Um, Right. My mother was in Alabama, in rural Alabama, during that era, and uh, she always said that, in her opinion, that she felt
0: that we lost
2: as much as we gained. And, Mm. of course, I wasn't allowed during that era, but one of the things that my mother told me uh, from, from a vast experience during that time period is how we didn't really have a plan of attack once we integrate. She grew up listening to uh, Jackie Robinson playing baseball on her father's knee on the radio. Uh, She grew up in an all-black rural community for the most part. Um, Right. And she said, you know, once we got that chance to integrate, a lot of us left for what we thought was doing in past with no thought process of maintaining our own.
0: Um,
2: To this day, she said that dedication-wise, African-American children should be taught by African-American educators from kindergarten through uh, eighth grade. Her theory being, and I share this opinion, that um, you put a kid in a school system uh, set up to see him lose off the rip with white faces all around, uh, they're just going to perpetuate what's already going on. You right. put him in a classroom her or her, In a structure of black educated people who are truly proud to be black and they want to see their child achieve, they'll show him the ins and outs of how to be that top student. So when they get inundated and indoctrinated into the system of white supremacy, they'll know how to fight it. If you got a bunch Mm. of white teachers, they are, they they shove it down and throw it off the rip. And that's not to say that a lot of them do it intentionally, but uh, white privilege, they, they don't even know. Um, I think uh, what happened to the black community at that point because at, at some point we did own land and we did own homes and we weren't just neighborhoods which we are now I agree with you it was no longer saying community we're just neighborhoods now but back then we actually had community now right as far as David Banner's opinion that we treated each other better I, I don't necessarily deal with that one because there was crime amongst each other already, but we already right. had all these evils and atrocities pushed upon us, and as the mantra says, "hurt people, hurt people." So there was already a lot of self hate. There was already uh, our, our skin issues, light skin, dark skin, was perpetuated itself from the
0: field Negro and the
2: uh, uh, house Negro. We had all those right. inner, inner, I guess intra intra-issues, as it were, already. And we were not right. really get that hump. But what, what I hated was that any thought process of us being a united front kind of got torn the center. And now I feel like we're humpy-dumpy. Um, we try to get all our pieces back together. And there's some of us so far gone to the left that are asleep; They don't want to wake up. And then there, there are those of us who feel like we're conscious and we're enlightened but we don't want to be patient and, and wait on our brother and sisters, or feed them knowledge. We want them to be where we are right now. this second, And it all, right. I guess, contributes to where we're at right now.
1: And right.
2: it took us a long time to get to this period of where we are right now. It's going to take us a long time to get out. <laughs> but what we got to do now, in my opinion, is to educate those that are willing to learn and listen now. And then right. spread the truth to our
1: youth.
2: Um, bridge that gap where the old folks stop talking to the young folks. we got to reach back to our peers, and we have to reach the to generation coming directly behind us and the children that are yet to come, because that's way we're going to try and be. I'm not saying it's too late for adults at own age or even older people who might view the world a little differently, but the plan of attack to really overthrow white supremacy, <clears throat> in my opinion, has to start with the youth. Um, I read an article today, well, after I saw a video, that had an article attached to it, and um, it was a sway in the morning with Eve and Jill Scott, and right. um, the Iggy Azalea situation came up. Um, white people have always appropriated um, what we do best, and right. we do take a, a, a kind of sick, twisted pride in a, in, a, in, a, in a white guy that can quote unquote play basketball and have hops, or a white defensive back, or a white R and singer. And right. taking nothing away from that mistake on our part, um, let's, let's enrich ourselves. Uh, to me, I, I've never listened to an Iggy Azalea song. I knew of the Azalea bank before her. So right. I didn't give Iggy Azalea that much of a chance. And everything right. I've heard about it to this point has been negative. I've, I've seen on the Internet, I've seen a lot of young, quote-unquote, white people talking about how much they know hip-hop. I've even seen brothers say, well, you know what, there's always been a white man behind it in the first place. And that's where there's so much confusion. we got to start learning our history and taking that history, allowing it to manifest itself in our minds and our hearts and then go from there. Uh, I constantly hear white people say, you know, forget the past. Except the future We oh, gotta we got, we got to learn from it Hip hop
1: right.
2: is ours Jazz is ours Even though they're playing rock
0: We started
2: it, it's ours But in order for us to, to Especially for the younger kids to, to, to love it and embrace it the way you and I Embraced it growing up We gotta show that love I think some people are already doing that with the kids I've said this a million times And I will continue to say it Listen to the music of this generation, with your kids, mm-hmm. instead of the iPod and the iPhone and Pandora with your headphones off, man, go ahead and invest in some speakers and bump that music loud and proud and tell your kids the difference between an Iggy and a Queen Latifah. Show them the difference between an Adele and a Queen, uh, not, uh, a Franklin. Um, show them that comparison from where we were to where we're going now. A lot of them don't know anybody. They're gonna whatever the world pushes out, they are gonna gravitate towards um, something else that you you uh, touched on with empire. Um, yeah, I I have yet to watch it. I've kind of um, heard your view and heard other views on it, but but I am sad as a as, as a black man that at one point I remember being a kid. You do too. I I knew a general hospital. I ain't necessarily right. paying play credence. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Right. I'm a man. I was a boy then. Um, right. We need to ease back on that, man, especially all the parents out there watching this trifling crap with the kids. That, that, that's always my concern. If you to watch that stuff, it's fine. As in you, I don't mean you personally, but I mean the fans that want to give it a chance. I've also heard a lot of my friends, especially black female friends, say "Um, we should be happy to have a show. <clears throat> let's support this show. So if we support this show, then we'll get be a better one. Nah. There is a good agenda in Hollywood. Nobody's going to convince you of anything less, And they are trying or have successfully tied homosexuality to the black struggle in this country where you can't right. see one without the other. And that's not the case. Um, right. We need to fight for better shows. And my thing is, is it's right. It's, where is that? It where, where it's at? Everybody's on Empire. We need more positive black shows. I I haven't watched Black Ish. I'm gonna give Black Ish a chance. It's not Empire. Um you know what? We really need to turn What's on the T V and open the book anyway. <laughs> to be totally honest. <laughs> <Not me. laughs> to be real. To be real. Um something else that I I would like to, to broach, um Okay. With, with the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. Uh, it, 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 it's how we view our athletes and, and our mm-hmm. superstars. And I, I'm not I'm not saying shake tears for them, but I think a lot of times uh, in, in our own community, we forget that there are people first, that before they ever dribbled a basketball or, or ran a football or, or, or knocked somebody out, there was somebody's son somebody's daughter, right? and we tend to judge these guys real harsh, even though we know the story or the narrative of how they made it better than most. Um, they're surrounded. A lot of them are beset by evil you could not imagine on all sides. And, again, I'm, I'm right. not saying feel sorry for them because at the end of the day, they are men. But when you look at a situation like what Marshall Lynch has been going against, when you look at the situation that like Ricky Williams was in when he played we're right. so put to judge and be our own before we know the whole story. A lot of us know that the media is biased, the media doesn't give a complete and total picture of what's going on. But instead of us taking that role, we're, we're so scared of offending a, a white man that we'll go ahead and throw that brother, brother on the, under the bus quicker than the white man will.
0: Um,
2: mm-hmm. on, on a post I read recently, Adrian Peterson, I'm a big fan of, as an athlete. I think he's a great running back. I think he's the greatest running back of his era. As, as a man, he has the same flaws that every man has, but a great running back nonetheless. When that quote unquote child abuse case happened, this entire state turned tail and run? Now, there were black people right. that were in support of him, but you didn't hear those voices. The media made sure that all you heard was the angry white people. That's I don't sure. blame him for wanting the first plane out of here. When it was Vic with the dogs, it was the same thing. If, you're, if anybody tried to support Mike Vick, all you saw was the, the white face, full brow, and disappointment. Money only goes so far. They need the same support. And I feel like if we invested not just our, our adoration and the fluffery to these guys, but if we ever actually put real support, a lot of them would support us back. A lot of them do support their friends and family, do support the community. But
1: that doesn't make the news. We're not going to see a story hey. on that. Hey, I agree. Now, here's, here's the thing, Brother O. You, you draw some interesting points, and I promise you, I am going to answer some of them. Brother Adrian just call, called in. Let's get him on the line.
0: Yeah, Brother Adrian
1: Mac. What, what's going on, family? Adrian? Y'all do no blog talk sometimes, do we, tripper. Hold on a second man. Yep. Trying to bring Brother Adrian in. All right. See here. Got me thinking. Got the show thinking. Hold on a second there. Brother Olu, I'll refresh my screen and try to get Brother Adrian in here. All right.
2: Hello? Hello? Hello?
1: Yeah, Brother Adrian, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Well, we Hello? got you rolling with us then. We, we got Brother Adrian on. Brother, let's let's hop right into this blog piece about David Banner. I want to go into it. Uh, Adrian Mac, we're talking about it. We talked about it a little bit before you called in. Were we better uh, before uh, integration? Uh, I know we talked about it. Uh, how we romanticize things sometimes
0: yeah. about our
1: reality, brother Adrian. Can you drop some of that some of that that that, that, uh, that juice on us?
3: Yes, yes. So, first, can you hear me well? Yes, we can, brother. Okay, okay, cool. So, first, thank you so much. Uh, Good evening. Good to hear my brother, Olu, um, brother Thomas. I apologize for my tardiness. It's been one. We'll explain later. Um, Thank you for having me on for the show. And, um, yeah, to go directly into it, um, when I heard, when I got to view um, brother David Banner's uh, response on Sway, and just some of the comments, I listened to the entire interview and was able to just gleam and pull some things out of what he said, agree with a lot of things that he said. Um, there was several pieces in there that I just, you know, I found like, you know, it wasn't as factual. It wasn't as something that I can support and I entirely agree on. And as, you know, as brothers in this struggles, brothers and sisters in this struggle, we're always going to find out things that we don't necessarily align with. It's how we come right. out on top and find that level of agreement and move forward. But I decided to just kind of respond on my blog um, to a few things that he said, and particularly about um, us, uh, integration being worse than slavery, and several comments that he made uh, about black folks' experience before integration. Um, and whether or not those are actualities or if it's just kind of some presumed things. And like you hit on, um, it's it's natural for us to in the process of us creating our own narrative of our history and defining our own experience in this country without having full facts and full visceral experience, we tend to romanticize what it used to be like. We tend to glean some of the stories and some of the experiences from our our elders, our uncles, our grandparents, and not in, have the in, the story in its in, entirety. And we tend to just beautify just the positive aspects of it. And I think that's a good thing when we're passing down legacy, heritage, tradition, um, and, and, and making sure that there's a transcendency to our next generation about the beauty and the power of our people. But we want to make sure that we're being honest and truthful about the hardcore reality of our experience as a people as well as being able to be honest about where we were and the complications of our people to make sure that we're evolving, healing, and continuing to build the pieces of our community. And in particular, um, for instance, this one instance where he talked about that there was really no ramifications um, to, black, uh, to uh, the lynching of black men before integration. And I understand his point on what he meant by that. Um, I think he's trying to connote the idea that, there were no legal precedents or in a sense there were no support to bring um perpetrators to and assailants to justice when black men were lynched throughout the century. And that's not entirely true. Um there's been several efforts on a state level, state legislation and on federal level around the nation, particularly in the east and the south, um mainly in the midwest, to pull um, uh, legislation books on the table, and submit things to the uh, to, to to state bill and federal bill to protect Black lives. You know, first and foremost, um, several senators and Congress people use the Fourteenth Amendment as a protection clause to um, protect Black men. Two, there's right. been numerous research by numerous of uh, people in that time, particularly I want to pick on Ida B. Wells because she spent her entire career fighting, researching, and advocating for the injustices of black men being lynched by white mobs. And her research was dedicated to protecting and building black lives and making sure that we were pushing some political movements and awareness to bring attention to lynching, Um, as well as several other efforts. And I I like to highlight um, Minnesota-owned Nellie Francis, Nellie Francis Williams, who was married to a black lawyer in St. Paul, herself in a a uh, black person who descended, I think, from St. Louis. And she, uh, with her efforts with women's political uh, suffrage, she also participated in writing and pulling an anti-lynching bill uh, and pushing that into Minnesota State um, legislature to try to make sure that that gets heard. And she was the co-author to that, even though another guy, white guy, white uh, liberal up here, Democrat, took credit for it. She was the author behind that anti-lynching bill. And there's numerous incidents of that You know, uh, from St. Louis, Missouri To Arkansas, to Florida Numerous bills uh, Were pushed and attempted to be Pushed in a lot of political moves um, On behalf of the NAACP Yes, I know that's good On behalf of the NAACP Who were at that time a radical movement And a radical initiative And several other efforts to try to bring Anti-Lynching bills to Congress, and it never And some got enacted Some didn't But there was never really a federal initiative To make that happen So I'm going to stop there And just kind of get your brother's response real quick Go ahead
1: Well well, here's my response Because I I definitely get where you're going with this About how there is definitely stories Where uh, there was a lot of interaction amongst us and, And the behavior towards us uh, with one another. Now, you know, as we talked about before, you know what we've been subjugated to—the the, the uh, spiritual, mental, and physical torture at the hands of the white uh, plantation owners and their employees. Uh, you know, we psychologically we were damaged. <laughs> you know, and then Brother O uh, spoke to it perfectly when he said, "Hurt people hurt people." So there's no way that we should be thinking coming out of that. With all of the gains that we made, uh, trying to uh, pledge, head, you know, forge ahead in this country, we also have to be reminded that a lot of stuff that we were doing was in replication of our oppressor. And if we're replicating our oppressor, who are we going to be taking out our violence on? Because we couldn't take it out on them, that would be on us. So. I I definitely get, Brother Adrian, uh, where you're coming from uh, with that. And, you know, we look at some of our better cities and and, and better towns um, that we were created, and you look at the level of violence that we allowed whites to even do to that, and you ask the question of why didn't we fight back. Well, I I, I would tell you, you and I would almost, you know, take up anybody who was there during those times who were actually there, not people who say they lived around those times or they know enough. If you went into Otose, Oklahoma, you can't tell me that even inside of those communities, you didn't have still that division amongst uh, class and colorism amongst our people. I, those are beautiful stories, but we know today, uh, we got rich folks who still don't deal with other rich people because they're too dark or they're too light or you know what, you, you you make six figures a year, I make eight. There's no need for me to talk to you. You're broke. So we, we see this today, and uh, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. How about you, Brother O?
2: No, no, no. I, I think you both have, have validated, you know, what Adrian was saying in the first place. Um, I, I, I started saying you with David Banner. Um, I agreed a, a little bit uh but i I still stick to what I said originally about hurt people hurting people um something I've heard you say is on several of the conversations is that uh that uh not necessarily, not necessarily muscle memory but cell memory, the fear so many of us even now today fear white people we We do whatever it takes to get along we We don't wanna stand out we don't wanna seem overly combative. Uh, We do what we can to make the white man feel comfortable, and that's a a learned behavior over generations. I would love to see us break the yoke of that. Some of us have broken it already, but I would love to see us as the people in general together uh, break that. It's not about you being uncomfortable as a man, Adrian, or you, Thomas, being uncomfortable, me being uncomfortable to make somebody else feel better. As they are, state your truth as you see it and stand on it. And I feel like too many of us uh, are, are afraid to do that. Um I do believe that we do look at the past in some scenario uh some, some scenarios with some real rose tinted colored glasses. Um, it, it it wasn't a whole suite, you know, for us it, back in that era. Um, there was a lot of success. Uh, but I feel like a lot of that success was due to the fact that we didn't have the choice to leave. Uh, we didn't have the choice to go to other places. And the best the was in the numbers and we knew that. But what what I feel saddened about it is For a lot of us, as soon as we got that chance to leave, as soon as we got that chance to, quote, unquote, be free and go where we want to, we didn't take a second chance to look at what we had. We just bounced. Mm -hmm. But I I think that we are now starting to see the folly of that thought process. And now, just from meeting the brothers this weekend, we, we are starting to understand the strength of numbers, the strength of numbers standing together. We don't necessarily have to agree with each other on every single thing. But I think that a lot of us want the same thing. We want strong families. We want to be healthy. We want to be safe, whether it's in our, our streets or, or in our homes. we don't, we want to be able to protect and defend. we want to be able to raise our children. We want, we want access to great health care. These are universal things in, in anybody's community. And we are finally starting to see that the way you get those things is to be together.
3: That's an excellent point, Brother Olu. I, I, think I like what you say with that because it's a universal thing, and, and we, we know as human beings when we're fighting for, you know, our our efforts to gain equality and um, and equity in this country, our fight has always been on the struggle, the moral struggle of human rights and human decency, fighting for the basic needs to just be recognized as human beings in this country. And I think when we are reflecting on our experience before, and it's not to highlight that, I mean, let me say this with this blog post. I'm not saying integration was the best thing for black folks. I'm very critical of integration. And I think, man, um, Thomas and Olu, we've talked about that numerous times off air, on air. And I think we should devote maybe one rant radio to talk about the pros and cons of integration. I'm not saying integration was the champion of the cause of progressive movement for human rights that Brother O. Lewis highlighted so well. I'm just saying that when we reflect back on our experience before that, we have to take into account what you were saying, Thomas, what I was trying to highlight in that post. Black folks are complicated. And while we had some things that was working in place to build our etiquette towards each other, to build our solidarity, to build strong collective identity, we still have some deep-rooted issues that were inherited from our oppressive conditions. Like you mentioned, Thomas, colorism, um, class, we need to talk about the class struggle that exists among black folks in these segregated communities. You know, um, we, could, we could go, we could canvass over 15 to 20 different solid communities. Excuse the background. I'm sorry. I got a kid uh, moving a truck around. Uh, we can canvass over 15 to 20 different solid black communities that were um, really building off of the agrarian industry during the late 1800s to the early 1900s that built some type of economic empire that was sustaining black businesses, black families. But there were always this contention between the, the unskilled labor force of black folks versus those who inherited land, property, or some type of assets from their slave ancestors. And with those black folks, it was that the division because again, you always had some black folks who aligned aligned themselves with the white middle class or white owning class, which the former planting class in the southern states and even in the east. When we're talking about the north, we have to bring into question those black folks who who were completely aligned with white ministry, white Protestants, white um, particularly if you want to say the um, Presbyterians, who was a, a strong a strong, uh, formidable economic uh, uh, um, of a faction of, um, of uh, citizenship uh, in the East. And you we know, talk about Berg, Massachusetts, all down the East. And the black folks who became Presbyterians inherited in a sense of level of, uh, of rigor and a certain lifestyle that made them feel like they needed to differentiate themselves from blacks who were coming from the South or who were, in a sense, on so there was always this class division between blacks who um, who were in the south or coming from the west or who were in the north versus their brothers who, um, who may have come from a different condition. And we have to continue to, to explore that. So when Banner says that we didn't treat ourselves this way into African integration, that's wrong. That's wrong. When my brothers and sisters was following the railroad line um, up north to try to um, – to to find some jobs in these industries and these factories up north, they wasn't always entirely welcomed with open arms by the black folks in that community. We need to talk about Phyllis Wheatley Community Center and uh, the Phyllis Wheatley housing area in North Minneapolis and how it was a struggle for black folks who was coming up here from St. Louis, from East St. Louis, from Chicago and Missouri. This is in the early 1900s, and that struggle to just kind of blend in and find support from the blacks who was already here and been established since the 1800s. It was a struggle. We need to talk about the conflict that black folks was having moving from um, those same cities and even Indianapolis and and Gary, Indiana, in the the late 1800s, coming to St. Paul, and a lot of the black folks in the Rondo area just kind of shifted. You know, it wasn't always a welcoming atmosphere. So we those complications went into how the politics of black folks um, um, unfolded in our community development, how certain institutions was established, how certain people found jobs, how certain people found housing. It's not to say that we were all, you know, fighting each other. No, that's not nearly the case. There were still methods of going, uh, finding hospitality in churches, brotherhood, or a certain – um 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 organizations that helped bridge that connection between our brothers migrating from the south to the north but there was still some divisions. there was still some cultural differences black folks who has been in the north midwest midwestern area for a couple of generations saw themselves to be uh if you want to say um um civility did civility stand or civility um, have a certain level of air about themselves or stability that made themselves feel like they were a lot more Americanized than our brothers coming up here from the cotton fields of Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi. So those things made, you know, it helped add into the complications of um, our community not having a full solidarity going into the years of fighting for integration. So once integration came about, it, you know, that stuff speaks into why certain people were able to take advantage of the little uh, opportunities that open up with that legislation, versus uh, the masses, critical masses of black folks being able to uh, reap the benefits of, uh, of segregation or integration. So, you know, it just contests some of the realities of what Banner just assumed is real. You know, we were com- we're complicated people.
1: No, that's no, that, no that's real, and in those complications. In my humble opinion, I think that those are when we kind of use things, when we when we make broad brush uh, comments about situations, we kind of leave out those complications. It's never, you know, uh, as we all know, there is no absolute in any statement most of the time. You know, if you say all people or most people, uh, you know, what does that mean? You know, all, we know it's never 100%. We say most. Most of what? Most of the people you know, uh, most of the people uh, in your community, uh, most of the people in a certain state uh, or a certain region. It doesn't mean that it's all the people in a certain ethnic group or what have you. So we have to, uh, or the majority of those people, uh, that those statements are sometimes used. And, you know, like what you did, you, you came back with the facts. There's no one necessarily there to challenge the facts because, let's face it, in our community, amongst our people, whether it's way in the morning or it's a host of other shows, people are not historically inclined. They don't necessarily research the facts. Uh, they don't necessarily uh, uh, challenge their hope, the gas or what have you. So I definitely uh, get where you were coming from with that. Now, here's something else that I wanted to talk about with that. we have talked time and time again about things that we need to do as a community privately, me, you, brother old, other brothers. We've had our, our massive bills and I'm looking forward to the one in February. My thing is this, what knowing what you know, agent about segregation and integration, there's a different word that we, and I, I'm, I'm trying to find it that we need. I know, um, um, Claude Anderson has said it before. I'm trying to find the word. I think he, if I'm not mistaken, I think he says intrepidation. If I'm not mistaken, I know, uh, brother Adrian, that you believe that we all fit together in that cabal. Could you kind of explain how we all, whether it's black, white, or what have you, how we all work, how we all fit together in this uh, global economy as well as this global world. Yeah, that's a good question. And um, that makes me need to go back
3: to some of my research in and Claude Anderson because I know he has some good concepts and theories on it. You know, um, our history, regardless if we focus on building an effort to collectively align as many interests as possible amongst black folks, our history won't allow us to separate ourselves from the struggles of folks in Haiti. For my, right. America, for my brothers in South America, from my brothers in Brazil, from my brothers in Nigeria, Liberia, it would it just won't allow us to do that. So I think, right. you know, just in theory, and I mean I could be wrong. In theory, our, our goal is to really find the political interests of where our our social politics and our social history align. So in particular, how do Our struggle for human rights align ourselves with the struggle of human rights with our brothers in Puerto Rico. And where do we see um, similarities in our struggle? How do internally? How do we deal with the struggle, the psychosomatic struggle of um, colorism? and how do they deal with the psychosomatic uh, struggle of colorism in Puerto Rico or the manic Republic? And that's one of those pieces that I mean, I'm picking on that particular island because there's a documentary out that explores the psychological damage of white supremacy on our brothers in that particular island and how someone who is dark-complected is, you know, um, uh, let's say Patrick Ewing or someone, or dark-complected is uh, 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 Wesley Snipes, can see themselves as being white, you know, and, they, and that deals with a, a social formation that isn't inherited, it is not it's inherited in the wrong way, and is not healthy, and it's divided black folks within Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic in, in, a, in a horrible way. So it's just exploring those types of things. There's a connection with that. Our psychological ones, like you just mentioned our political realities and how it relates to the broader global peace, um, to our economy, and how do we see ourselves in this kind of social formation for as African to You know, and I think that's where we have to draw some lineage. If we call it the Pan-African or African, uh, what they call African in the diaspora, whatever it is, it seems like the conversation extends from us being able to, Find those commonalities amongst each faction, each group, and then making that bridge, and 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 just recognizing that our initiatives and our efforts politically um, in one space in, inherently affects and directly attributes to the struggle of, of our brothers in another
0: space.
1: No, and you know what, and that and that's definitely perfect. Um, I, I honestly agree, and that, and that's what I was talking about earlier uh, before you count in about us having to use this opportunity that we have Uh, in is you know, having so many brothers and sisters who are, who have immigrated here to the United States, uh, who have access to not only their culture, but natural resources on how we need to make those connections more so on the economic and historical front. So we can get familiarity with one another Uh, It helps us out politically. And also, you know, need to do more of that versus trying to connect with one another inside of the bedroom and that's one of the things that i honestly believe that one of the things that if we study white supremacy seriously the one thing that the white man and woman has done every day they slept with everybody across the globe everywhere anywhere they go to they're trying to sleep with somebody and we have to make sure that like anybody else you know i can't party like uh a, a puff daddy can party. Puff daddy got millions of dollars, and you know I'm just a thousand there. You get what I'm saying? So I can't I can't party how he party. We can't party how white people party. We have to when we socialize, we gotta socialize for substance. So when we building with our brothers and sisters the, you know throughout the continent, we gotta start making it more about substance. We have to make it more about uh, relevancy for all of us, so we can all survive and conquer this beast. Uh, Brother Adrian, let me ask you this question. Because on one of your blogs you talked about double consciousness and you had Raven Simone. Can you touch on that for a second force?
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry about that. I had to take my phone off mute. So in that in that particular post, um I'm doing kind of an analysis of Du Bois' double consciousness theory as it pertains to the psychological health of uh, black folks today. And, you know, there's been numerous research in, um Du Bois' theory, just kind of bringing it to light. him talking about the enduring struggle between um, two consciousnesses within our existence. One, our fight to be American, and then two, our fight to... Um, we declare ourselves as being a black person in his time he said the Negro identity. And how I struggle to rid those in one body and to bring them to reconcile those two
0: forces and yet
3: it's so hard because they directly oppose one another. So my critique is, you know, I observe Raven Simone's Raven Simone's here you go. I observe Raven Simone's response on Oprah and she went into her identity piece or I'm going to call it identity crisis and she talked about why she doesn't like to be labeled Um, but in all of her identifying herself with numerous races um, and how she had this kinship with everybody in America and she believed that that's her way of being the true American is having these strong identities with everybody she denied and and just completely denounced Any connection with being African American She says Yeah. She recognizes herself as being from Louisiana And she has roots there But she is not an African American Okay And then from there you have another interview With Pharrell Williams Who talks about his new black identity And why he Refuses to be identified As like a general black person But how his blackness it's something that he uses for himself to make it work for him positively in his life, and he his response and his discussion about his new black identity comes after the backlash of his album cover, where he has the white girl in front, another white girl, and I think I uh, can't remember what was the other ethnic makeup, the one but half the sister in the back. So he, he faced a lot of uh, critique on that, and the critics went after him. My whole piece is this: both of them I use as vessels to represent how complicated the double consciousness idea is relevant today. It is, it's it's so pertinent today when you're talking about the 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 psychological health of black folks. Here you have right. a sister who completely wants to run away from any African ancestry that her parents or anybody may have helped her to have some connection. This sister is from Louisiana, and I'm sorry, if you're from Louisiana and you have some Q or melanin in your, no. If you have some melanin in your body, more than likely you have some deep roots with the Creole experience or African descendancy experience in Louisiana. Louisiana was important slave all the way up into eighteen eighty six and there's documents and there's there's evidence to show that there were slaves still being imported from the continent even after the Civil War.
0: So wow. there's
2: numerous yeah, there's numerous
3: evidence to show that this African lineage is so strong and the tradition is so strong in Louisiana, all throughout Louisiana, that anybody who claims legacy or descendancy from Louisiana has some African lineage. one.
0: Two well right.
3: Ph- Pharrell the problem with Pharrell is that I'm on the phone right now. you got to wait, okay? The problem with Pharrell is that he appropriates the black identity, and he,
2: he highlights
3: successfully that it's a mentality, that it's a mentality, that it's something that, you know, he, he has a mental orientation with, But yet he projects and says that people who have a problem with his album cover and people who have a problem with blackness, is dealing with some issues in their own mirror, and they're projecting on him or projecting it on other people. So the problem with black folks is not anything outside, it's what they're dealing with on the inside of that mirror. And if they deal with these pieces internally, black folks will be okay. Two, again, he appropriates blackness as something that can either work for you or work against you. So if you wear this new black thing, and you could find ways to make it work and put money in your pocket, then blackness is a good thing. But if mm. you are hurting someone else with your blackness, then it's a bad thing. The problem with both of them is that they completely destroying anything that has anything to do with Africa. Anything that has anything to do with African ascendancy, anything that has anything to do with the black experience and how our black identity has been created in this country. And that's complex. Pharrell pushed himself to this point where he's willing to give away blackness if you if it puts money in your pocket. That's one. But two, he denies any social realities that black men are in he denies any social realities that what folks are dealing with in the mirrors Genuflects from the broader trajectory Of white supremacy So black folks isn't just Doing, just inheriting Some uh, some racial identity Self-esteem right now in a vacuum And there's no, no, no History of racial Oppression, white supremacy and racism In this country Everything that black folks deal with In the mirror is genuflected From the harsh reality Of psychological images Like I said, that deals with slavery and the brutality and the violence of getting your whole identity stripped all the way down to the submission of the new Frozen DVD that just popped up a few months ago. Okay? We don't, under, we don't see how these psychological images deconstruct and destroy any idea of African affirmation or black identity thoroughly and little by little from a, from a time a child can perceive reality all the way up until they can manifest the, the possibility of buying this guy's album.
0: These images
3: are subconsciously and consciously. See, a lot of people like to say subconsciously, but they're consciously perpetuated in every facet of this country. You can't, uh, and you can't walk outside without dealing with something that deflates the or dehumanizes the black image or black experience of someone. So for him to say that this person is dealing with something internally in their own mirror and they need to keep that there and deal with that, no, I'm sorry. It doesn't work like that. In every mirror, in every glass, and in every perspective of this country, a person is under assault with the image of them being affirmed of their own black genealogy, their black heritage, their tradition, and anything that ascends from Africa. So what he was dealing with and what he was saying that is perpetuated on him is exactly what Raven Simone is struggling with on her day-to-day basis. That's the idiotic thing that Oprah, I wish Oprah would have made that connection on. Like, wait a minute. What this sister is denying is what you're saying this person is dealing with in the mirror. And that's right. the piece that Pharrell, being oblivious on, is unaware of the social consciousness, the social history, and the experience of black folks to just project it and say that it's something that we personally deal with. This is not personal in that sense. It's a group It's a group. A violence is a violence against a group. And for you to just sit up here and deny that history means that you're willing to sell our blackness out for your monetary gain. And that was my con- complication with this. So both of those ideas genuflect the both consciousness realities internally inside themselves. World warring like the boys uh tried to say, fighting having that contention to reconcile something in themselves, and they and they're just struggling. They made themselves sound real good. It just didn't look good. So that's why right. I highlighted that on the spectrum of talking about Charles Barkley and his whole white white minded assimilation to Stephen Smith, Stephen A. Smith, um, to uh, Condoleezza Rice and her comments to Lisa Frisch and her uh, Black Tea Party membership. Everybody who's propon- uh, being proponents of Black, Andrei, stop. Everybody who's been proponents of the defamation of black people all contribute and play a part to this warring contention of this double consciousness that is so relevant and so real amongst black folks mm. today. So I hope that casts Dang, it in down. some way a frame of my thinking. Yeah, of what I was trying Can I ask go you one question
1: that. before you got to go? I, I know you got these babies. Let me ask you one more question. Have yes, sir. you. S- well, actually, I had two more, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna save one because I'm gonna make that my topic next week. I'm gonna try to get my Washington his wife, uh, have them both on the show and talk about Bill Duke's. Uh, I think it's called Light like Girls. We got to talk about that because that we talk
0: about oh, some double yeah.
1: consciousness. I think there's some things there and I might have to bring you back as well for that. But well, let me ask you this question. Me and me and I was talking about it earlier before you came on. What do you think about this two year free uh school? Do you think this is a good idea or do you do you feel like I do? Do you have some skepticism with this?
3: Uh, this two year free school
1: You know, I got to look more into that, but, you know, this is just my
3: disposition as always. Anytime something is pushed forth on a federal legislative level and it looks kind of, you know, sparkly, you always got to read the fine print. You always got to look at what's happening behind or on the other hand in order to make sure you have a full, honest assessment of it. And I think on one end there could be some benefit to it. You know, I think if we can take advantage of it and if we can make it a sound, concrete thing that does not um, marginalize any other group of us, but it's full free access to us, there could be some elevation with that momentarily while it's there. However, if this will be one of those another conservative marks or uh, perceived conservative marks where we say, well, um, these access was granted and provided for this group of people, so everything should be made proper, everything is right. We don't need to talk about, you know, uh black folks not having access to higher education because we gave it to y'all, then no, we need to do a little bit more further investigation because two years free of college is just a tip of the iceberg. First we gotta get black males um we gotta get black males and black black females um uh, academically astute and prepared to be able to take advantage of that. If 54% of black males across the nation is graduating from high school, then how are we going to make sure that that – how are we going to take advantage of an opportunity like that? If the average – on often on average, black males are, who are graduating at 12th grade have the same reading proficiency as the 8th grade black male, that's something we need to investigate because how are they going to be successful with this two-year free college opportunity if we're not academically prepared? And those things aren't in a vacuum. We have to explore what are the the, the social and, and, and academic ramifications that is leading a black child who is proficient and may, maybe can go into public school ready and prepared, About a, uh five to six, eight years later, they're reading behind most other people in that in, in their grade level. This is not something that's inherent and in, is in, in, in only. Uh, I'm, I'm on the phone, Kanadi. I'm on the can phone. Stop. No. Um, this is not something that you can only draw into black folks and say this is the this is their problem, this is this is uh issues that only pertain to their group. This is a social issue, this is a societal issue, there's some political causes to this, there's a history to this, and there's some economic conversations that we have to have in order to make sure that our kids are ready for um, this type of access. So, you know, on one end it's shiny and it looks good, but we have to read the fine print. Mm.
1: Brother Adrian, I want to thank you just for dropping it like you did. Only you can come through and get busy like you do. I know you got the, you got the babies. We appreciate uh, appreciate you for dropping on.
0: Brother, I am definitely going to uh, next week. We got to
1: But I thank you, brother, because I I, I will tell you, we I, brothers in the contest community, we get criticized so much for our research and our opinions. By those who don't even pick up half of what we're willing to pick up and read or actually, you know, take away time and actually research what we're willing to research. Some people still actually uh basing their information off something that they've read, you know, five, ten years ago. Information mm-hmm. is always changing. So this bit that you did with David Banner and also the thing on the double consciousness is important. Because our people suffer from this constantly, this double consciousness. And that's what I was talking about with the whole thing with Martin King and the American Sniper movie. You know, we have that movie the same weekend of Martin Luther King Holiday. Our people flock to the studios and, and to the theaters to watch this movie, not thinking that Dr. King was murdered
2: by a sniper. That's right. Monday roll around, and then
1: they're holding vigils yeah. and saying that they love Dr. King. But, man, mm-hmm. why would you be supporting. The same thing that, that killed Dr. King, and let's keep in mind, we know that the That's King right. family settled a lawsuit with the federal government for the murder of Dr. King, and we know that he was killed by a sniper. So when we look mm-hmm. at those things, and we look at that, and then we say, what well, the complexity of the dual consciousness? It's we have allegiance at one point, but then at another point, we also know that we are we are targets of this country. And I'll, I'll say this brother before you go, and I'm pretty sure. Uh, you'll agree there's nobody more American than an African-American because mm. most of our roots uh, go back deeper than any other ethnic group. A, and B, uh, outside Native Americans, let's, let's, let's give them their props, uh, Native Americans and, and, and the so-called Mexican-American who is nothing but Native American as well. And there's nobody who's more patriotic. Now, we're the most patriotic out of any, uh, any ethnic group. We are uh, pro this country. Uh, Even those of us who have problems with the federal government, we don't want to see America uh, torn apart. We just want to destroy that's white right. supremacy and that's the difference between us, uh, those of us in the conscious community, and some of us, just black folks who are just looking to to have better. Uh, we want to destroy white supremacy. I believe other people just want to live in the framework of it. They just want to rearrange the furniture.
0: Mm. And if you mm. rearrange
1: that furniture, you're still living in the house of white supremacy. No matter how you look at it, uh, you can put lipstick on that pig, but that thing still still flowing, so it therefore still is a pig and going to eat slop when you get done doing whatever it is go going to do. Uh, but I, I just want to thank you, brother. You know I love you. I'm looking forward Dumb, to, uh, to the brothers. You know what? I think that you ne- you definitely need to get with Bianca uh, on, uh, Bianca Kelly Lewis, if I'm not mistaken, right, who wants to do that.
0: Yes. We yeah. should
1: definitely set that up in February. I think it'll be hot to have her come with all the brothers. We find some cool recluse place, and we actually have her film it and actually play it on Rant Radio. It's a full fledged mm-hmm. discussion. Uh how we build because I believe our builds if we could get more brothers and sisters to sit around and have those kind of discussions just on a monthly basis, I would mm-hmm. we will see a lot more change in our community than what we do now. Mm-hmm. It's not I like really we get agree, tired and start talking about movies or wrestling. We are talking about our people's issues from the time we sit at the table to the time we leave.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: But at first, let me say
3: I love you too, brother, and I thank you so much for having me on. Um, Again, I have to apologize for my tardiness. Um, Also, I need to uh, beg my pardons for having my children. My wife is currently in her studies right now away from the house, so I have my 4-year-old and my 1-year-old, and they're just terrorizing, and they have needs. So, again, I apologize to the community and the people if I'm not fully uh, here and couldn't formulate my thoughts as well, but I guarantee you on I can make it on the next show next time And uh, I'll be sharp Focused, ready, mentally present And there, um, and again I extend My deep appreciations and gratitude For you Thomas for um, putting me on And being able to highlight some of my thoughts writing. And writings, and brother OU Thank you for sharing your wisdom as always I really deeply appreciate and admire You brother
1: appreciate that, man Alright well brother A, hey, on that note man I just want to say Peace And, oh, you know what? Just let us know, man, you know, I'll tell y'all, any time this brother drops a blog, man, we're going to try to make sure we get that up on Rand Radio's uh, page. If you haven't, went to the page and check it out. Go to Rand Radio uh, on uh, Facebook and read his three blogs, man. We only talked about two of the three, but all three of them are for sure fire, And these are things that we need to really look. You know what? Some people will look at Adrian and they'll be talking about Raven, Simone, and Pharrell. But then you got to, you know, even myself, I had to look at my double consciousness. Some of the things that I say, man, you know what? I love my people, but I walk around with a Notre Dame cap on.
0: Mm. (laughs) I came front.
1: I have a Notre Dame cap on. Now, I know I'm from South Bend, but you know, some people, they really think I graduated from Notre Dame. I have student mm. staff and everything else, or think I'm pro-Irish. No, so that's part of that. That's part of that, that. That that double consciousness. That part of that, man. Please, I ain't, I ain't claiming nothing in Ireland, but I, I, mm. I agree with Brother Travis. I do need to give me some asking God, and I need to don those more than I'm rocking my Notre Dame hat. I got to be true okay. to it and not new to it.
2: Mm. Powerful.
1: Well, yes, there no Brother Peace, man, and uh, we appreciate you, and uh, I will definitely be getting up with you this week so we can see uh, how we can get you on the show next week.
3: No doubt, man. I appreciate you, Brother. Thank you so much.
1: All right. I kiss the babies for me, Brother. Peace.
3: we Will do. Peace.
1: And, Brother Olu, I, I, yes, I, sir. You, knew, you knew Adrian was going to come through. You knew he was going to drop it hard. And yeah. I definitely want to make sure, cause you, uh, sister Lanisha, y'all man, y'all y'all ride with rant radio uh, like nobody else. Who else out there? I, I got to give props to brother Kelly Threat. He rides with rant radio like nobody else allows me to promote on his page, uh, Travis Smith, Antonio Muhammad. Uh, it's a plethora of people out there. i got my Vegas people out there who, who rock with me, uh, Brother Rodney, uh, Sister Angela. Uh, i got got uh, Brother Levon out down there in Houston, uh, Sister Le- Lisa Smith-Mosley. These, people like that who rock with us, Brother Mawashu and his wife who are out there. You know, they are out there in that blizzard in mm-hmm. Siberia East. Uh, right about okay. now, uh, I hope all my people out there, if you're able to listen to the show, I hope you're staying warm, uh, brother. Oh, I want to answer your question about uh, Empire. I, I got to do that before before I get off this uh, air, man. I'm gonna tell all you, right. brother. I agree with you. It, it, it's not like necessarily we need television, but at the same mm-hmm. time. You know, with anything that you complain about that you don't like, you have to replace it with something to get people to move. Folks ain't gonna just go from. uh, People aren't gonna just go from uh, uh, television and movies uh, to just books. Uh, Let's let's be real. Uh, Visual aid is some. Visual aid most times is the best teacher. So uh, Mm -hmm. we have to come up with a better visual aid. And what I believe is, you know, is, is it black uh, blackish do we support or do we just support those things that are great, and then do we use the Twitters and the Facebooks to put on campaigns? I want, and I'm always saying this on Rant Radio, but I'm serious, we need to start campaigns. Why not hit Twitter up? Why not hit Facebook? I post it, you post it, you help somebody else to post it. Man, Tyler Perry, man, get rid of that have and have not general hospital BS. We don't need to see that, brother. Give us a good show. Man, they, they got white folks are making shows on um, stars where they're going back in time, in colonial times and other times. Give us a, a hero to go back in time. Could you imagine a brother that was a time traveler that was able to go back and solve certain things and help fight for our people? To, to correct no, the wrongs? So things? I watch it. You know what I'm saying, and, oh, and even yeah. just do it as a uh, do it as a, a six week, eight week mini series. Give us something that we can really support. And 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 by the way, we're not begging you because if we support you, I put money in your pocket, and it also helps us at the same time. It's amazing when we ask for things, we always seem as beggars. I'm not an actor. You're not an actor. You know what I'm saying? You got a, a, mm-hmm. a degree in journalism, and yeah, you can write your tail off, and you can speak your tail off, but you're not trying to write no Hollywood script. We're just asking our people who are already in those realms to do right by us. And I, I don't think it's wrong when you ask a politician or the people that you support to do right by you. Same thing with music. We need our rappers to do right by us. That same interview you were talking about with Jill Scott, she said something that I thought was very important. And she talked about she talked about singing and she talked about rap and she said that music is only good when it, ha- or great, when it has a story to it. Yep. And I, you know, Outcast. I love that song, Art of Storytelling with Slick Rick. I think yep. about it and I say to me, my greatest three rappers, I don't have one great, I got one A, B, and C. They all are immaculate storytellers. That's Ice Cube, that's Nas, and that's Tupac. You can put them either which way you want to, as far as I'm
0: concerned. Mm -hmm.
1: They are immaculate storytellers. They're so descriptive. Whatever they're rapping about, they put you mentally. You can envision what they're rapping about. That's what we need. We need people who care enough to tell the right story, not the shallow story as I met the girl, she's thick, she wanted a drink, so we went back and we had sex. I don't need those yeah. facts. So she wanted to get high, I wanted to get high, she popped the pill, I smoked the blood, now we doing sex. I we, we, we don't need no more of those. What we need yeah. from as a people we, we just need some we we need some good records that are going to support us in our day to day struggle that's gonna to relate to us as a people. And that's what I think that we have to get. But we have to put campaigns on. We have to ask for those things. And last but not least, I know I know brother Rodney is He's actually uh, listening. This is the bit that I don't think he got what I was saying about Bill Cosby. See, I, I'm i not a person who don't disbelieve that Bill Cosby was set up. I don't disbelieve mm-hmm. that. See, I don't disbelieve that. I'm just saying that Bill was rubbing shoulders with the wrong people. And those same people that he thought was his friends, the Jay Lennons of the world, those you know are the people that are out on the, on the circuit speaking bad against them. And like Sinbad said, hey, well, if all you comedians knew that he was raping folks, how come y'all didn't speak up? And like Sinbad said, hey, yeah. I was out around those times. I've never heard anything about Bill raping nobody. If that was the known thing, how come I didn't know? And and, and that's what we need. You know, we, we need, we're well, all these black comedians. But, but then again, I have to ask, is Bill a friend of Eddie Murphy's? It, has Bill ever spoke up for Eddie Murphy? Has Bill ever spoke up for all these other entertainers that could possibly come to his aid? And and, and that, one more that's, thing. That's true. And one more thing that I, I that I think is very, very uh important. Brother uh brother what's their brother's name? Lord Jamal. I mm-hmm. saw an interview with him, and he said something about rappers saying that they can't speak out. He said, what's the point of you having all this money if you can't say what you want to say? Yep. And I, I want everybody who has their favorite athlete, their favorite rapper, singer, whatever, dancer, whomever, if they're making X amount of money, but they have to be cautious with what they say, they're still a slave. A slave well, no. has to be careful. A slave is worried about getting a whooping. How how do you come from where some of our people come from, from the flat-out ghettos? You have, let's say you got anywhere from $1 million to $1 billion in your banking account or your net worth, and you scared to say something. Is all your business deals designed around you kissing white ass? Does that make you more of a man or a woman? And this is to even the black middle class. Does that make you, how do you, a coward dies a thousand deaths. When we sit around and we see what what goes on with so many of our our young kids and our our, our brothers and sisters who are our age as well, uh, we, we see them going through so many trials and tribulations with the police. And we got people who can speak up, say stuff, brother. Oh, we talked about folks filming uh, the the, the beatings and murders of these people and how folks uh, label them heroic. You ain't no damn hero. If you sitting there with a phone while somebody getting beat to death or being killed, you a sucker. Period. If it's a fight, man, you know the old saying, if I don't feel like I can whoop you, I'm going to pick up something and whoop you with that.
2: Yes, no
1: doubt. So my my thing is from entertainment to just how we live in general we're going to have to start demanding more i i, I want to say this because i feel like bill cosby he was trying to come back with the shows we 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 know that and we know a lot of this yeah. is just piling on as well but this is where we have to already before all this comes about have to have networks already established with people who are stronger than us, people who are not famous. We need those things already established by our own people so that these folks can never take our legs from up under us. This is very important. We need to really study it, and we need to study our enemies because they've done a masterful job, and we need to take some of their tactics and use their tactics on us. Hey, the white man got a black sister or a black brother to always lay some rap down on us any time we raise our head. I'm telling you. Brother, if you out there and you sleeping with a white girl, I hope you're teaching her to be militant and for the cause for real. Not acting white. We don't I mean not acting black. We don't need her talking like she one of us. We don't need her acting like a sister. But hey, we need to have her uh we need to have her do things incognito, if you will. She can do it. But you got that white hey, guy I, sister that you huh? Well,
2: no, go ahead, go ahead.
1: You you know you got that you got that white guy sister that you swear you love so much. Y'all were sitting in the bedroom playing roots. Hey, get that dude on the front line and really have him show and prove that he for our people. Don't come to me talking this jack this love jazz. If you can't get this guy to, to show you he not, not only love you but he loves our people and not because of your physical attributes either or because you decide that you gonna let your afro grow out and drop the perm. We don't need that. We need folks who are down for the cause. And with that said, there's only 90 seconds left, Brother O. I'm going to let you have the rest of it. Go ahead.
2: All right. Man, as soon as I, I want to touch on what you said, I really had a team on, you know, but I want, to talk, I want to end it on the, 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 the double-sided nature of us as a people <laughs> and how we need to really understand what we say and what the what the conviction and truth and heart that we express ourselves and we we'll be honest ourselves about our biases, our weaknesses, and our strength. Um. We're, we're, we're always forced into a position of duality. Man, hey, you was black first. I don't care what uh, what you believe in, seriously, mentally, physically, you were black first. Ride for that. Ride for it. I mean, we can't sit on the sidelines forever. When our time is passed, when I'm no longer here, I want the people that knew me, loved me, and respected me to know that I stood for something. It's so a lot of people that go to sleep at night. I don't know how they sleep. A lot of folks that look in the mirror I don't know how they like the reflection that they see
0: We mm-hmm. have
2: the power To change that narrative Let's be about mm-hmm. that change
1: mm-hmm. and, and with that I want to thank everybody Who uh, listened to the show today We'll be back at you next week We will be discussing light girls I, I I got to get inside the Bill deuce head I saw Our girls and I even I was disgusted With that too we we got to do a better representation of telling the truth. Maybe Rodney, Angela, myself, Brother Levan. maybe we can actually do something during Black History Month to tackle mm-hmm. that color issue in our community. Let's try to get that lined up because that's important. Some of us think it's not, but when you have people lying, and not telling the truth about that situation. That hurts us more than anything else. We don't need people spreading propaganda as as brother Renoko Rashidi says, hey man, to tell to tell our story, we don't need lies. We just need the truth. We can deal with the pain. We didn't dealt with enough pain already. And with that, that's I love radio that. for this week. I told y'all we was coming locked and loaded. We strapped up. We we shot off a few rounds. But those are only warning shots. That was the first show. We back next week. We're back on Tuesday. Like I said before, I don't compete with the locals, man. I'd rather acquiesce and uh, bow down, and uh, I wish sister as much possible uh, success with a show. Uh, Hopefully uh, we can actually go one day and give her some support. But with that, y'all be safe, and y'all make sure, hey, you come back next week and ransom-o. Ciao.
0: Peace.